very idea, a philosophy podcast. Hello, everyone. Today is a hellishly gray day, but let's try to get that sun shining in your earbuds. Now, to start things off, I'm going to play a game that some call fun, but most don't. I'm going to say a quote from a philosopher, and you try to identify said philosopher within five seconds. Hmm? You got that? Here we go. Here's the quote. It really is a nice theory. The only defect I think it has is probably common to all philosophical theories. It's wrong. Ooh, sassy. Now, I'm going to say that one more time. It really is a nice theory. The only defect I think it has is probably common to all philosophical theories. It's wrong. Okay, let me count down. Five, Five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Ooh, okay. okay. Time's up. Those sassy wise words were from the philosopher who knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. It's salacious, so Kripke in naming and necessity, responding to, uh, I'm not sure what, maybe, uh, let me throw it a guess, Russell's theory of description. But that's Saul Crispy. <laughs> Saul Crispy. Saul Kripke. Now, let's get started on the podcast. Community. It's not just a Dan Harmon TV show. It serves as the ontological basis of a challenging theory to that long-lasting stalwart, liberalism. Let's get political, because that theory is communitarianism. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. I am recording this at the beginning of April in 2020, during what seems to be the never-ending peak of the coronavirus. My father-in-law has decided to start vacuuming, so you might hear that in the background. So, bear with me, and let's move on to communitarianism. What's the one political theory that seems to cut across the right-left divide so that one could say, without being in error, that it has influenced or has been influenced by communism, conservatism, anarchism, 1950s rural American life, urban hipsters, nationalism, hippie communes, and both progressivism and if this is even a thing, regressivism. That political theory that encompasses all those things is communitarianism. Communitarianism is a strange thing indeed. It is more popular 
as a topic of discussion in academia rather than an actual day-to-day political discourse by pundits or politicians. So you may not have heard of it. Very few authors themselves identify as communitarians, but a great many are seen as writing works that fall under the label of communitarian. Communitarianism is seen primarily as a response to liberalism. The promise of the French Revolution was to give the citizens equality, liberty, and fraternity, those three virtues. Well, it has given us equality as citizens under the law and liberty in the form of political rights. But modern liberalism does not have much to say about fraternity. Another way to conceptualize fraternity is community. Community has a hard time finding a conceptual footing in the individualistic-oriented liberal framework. So, communitarians are seen as people who have some sort of problem or concern with modern liberalism and sometimes modernity in general. Modernity in general. Communitarianism rose in prominence in the world of political philosophy after the Cold War. In the post-Cold War world. The post-Cold War. The previous dichotomy, of course, in the Cold War, was between liberalism and communism. Arguably, communism was discredited after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And this was a time when Francis Fukuyama was proclaiming the end of history. It was the end of history and liberal democracy won. But even if you are a fan of liberal democracy, that makes for a very boring field in political philosophy. The best philosophy arises out of a tension, out of a clash between ideologies. Without this clash, political theory is just a matter of housekeeping. Some ideological clash. Just cleaning up within political theory. Housekeeping is necessary, of course, but not always fulfilling. So, we, us philosophers, needed a rival theory. And while we didn't get the dramatic clash that communism versus liberalism provided, we got a rivalry that we could somewhat sink our teeth into as theorists and keep us busy in these times, nevertheless.
I guess everyone may have their own theory about how communitarianism started. And one that I like to think of is that it started with Robert Putnam's sociology book, Bowling Alone. That book, which became quite popular outside of the academic world, was about the loss of community in America. He contrasted society in the early 90s with that of the 1950s. People belong to a variety of different after-work clubs and societies in the 1950s. That could be the Kiwanis Club, the Elks Lodge, a bowling team, a softball team, or what have you. These clubs, according to Putnam, served a very important purpose of weaving together a strong social fabric in which we became civically engaged. Even things that seem insignificant, like a bowling team or a softball team, they actually hold some sort of value as weak bonds. In these groups, we had social interaction, but we also educated ourselves. And these clubs often formed the starting point on which we worked to better society, even in small, incremental ways. Putnam termed this value social capital. In Robert Putnam's, sorry, Putnam's own words, Community connectedness is not just about warm, fuzzy tales of civic triumph. In measurable and well-documented ways, social capital makes an enormous difference in our lives. Social capital makes us smarter, healthier, safer, richer, and better able to govern a just and stable democracy. This social capital is the factor that allows us to form our own identities, but through shared understanding shared and understanding. values that group membership provides. This social capital produces public goods. Public goods. Public goods are anything concrete, from community halls, to parks, to libraries, to baseball fields, or also events and ideas uh, themselves, like town hall meetings, and food drives, and charity marathons is anything that we all can share in not as consumers, but as citizens. However, somewhere along the line, and according to Putnam, we already reached this point by the mid-90s, we became detached from the communities that we lived in. We became more individuals as consumers, 
rather than as citizens, as community members. Our role as citizens sank as our role as consumers increased. And the problem for political theorists was that liberalism seemed to have no clear answer for how we bring back this social life, this community. So, other theorists, such as Will Kimlicka, Charles Taylor, Robert Bella, Michael Walzer, and Michael Sandel, started to attempt to provide a theoretical framework for these concerns. Most of these people are what you would call liberals, but they try to flesh out and stretch the boundaries of liberalism so that it would have the conceptual resources to deal with the loss of community. I'm going to end on that note of the loss of community and continue on with that same idea, but also get into some metaphysical problems with liberalism on our next episode. Thank you for listening. Please stay safe. On the very idea, a philosophy podcast. 